Coming up on the show, we have drummer Mike Portnoy. He's one of the most prolific drummers in history. He's played in many bands, uh, Dream Theater, Avenged Sevenfold, Twisted Sister, and so many more. His current project right now is The Winery Dogs with Richie Kotzen and Billy Sheehan, two outstanding musicians in their own right. So we're going to talk about their new album, Three, uh, touring with The Winery Dogs, uh, Mike's thoughts on streaming, other great drummers, his work ethic, and so much more. Stay right there. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, just today, there was like this big news about, did you hear the news about Twisted Sister? They're going to do a show, a one-off? Did I hear the news? I, I, I'm i the drummer. Yeah. Or you are, so it's official. I didn't hear that part. Yeah, That's what I was going to ask yeah, you. I mean, we've known that we're playing for months now. It's just, I think it was only uh, kind of made public today. Okay, because I thought it said it in the article, like they didn't know who it was going to be. And I was like, but you were tagged in it. So I was like, that's kind of weird. Well, Steve Vai and myself are inducting them into this uh, Metal Hall of Fame, and then we'll we'll be performing a few songs there at the ceremony. Oh, that's super cool. That's awesome. And you've yeah. been in inducted into, what is it, the Modern Rock Drummer Hall of Fame? Well, I was inducted into this Metal Hall of Fame as well, uh, the one that they're going in. I was inducted in 2019, but I was inducted in the Modern Drummer Hall of Fame uh, back in 2004, so that's almost 20 years ago at this point. Damn, that's crazy. So many, do you keep, I mean, how do you keep track of all those awards? Like, does it, do those things mean anything to you or? They're all there. <laughs> Are they? Yeah. That's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at them backwards. There we go. But yeah, no, I mean, that stuff is always, uh, it's always an honor to, to get recognized and, you know, that kind of thing to happen. But yeah, it's going to be fun, fun playing with Twisted again. We haven't played together since uh, 2016. So it's been, uh, Wow. Six or seven years at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I had D on the show. He's such a hoot. He's like, he's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. So new winery dogs. This is exciting. I'm a fan. I'm, I love the the first two albums. and I get, I get to hear the third one, the whole thing. Uh, it's really great. So I was always curious though, because a lot of times it just says songs by uh, the winery dogs, but on this one, it does say Richie wrote all the lyrics. Is that for the same as the first two as well? Um. Yeah, the only difference was the first album. I wrote one set of lyrics for the first album, but other than that, the formula has been the same. The three of us working on the music together and arranging the music together, writing the music and the parts, and then uh, Richie writing all the lyrics. So yeah, other than one song in the first album, he's always written all the lyrics. That's super cool. And then um, tell me about working with uh, Jay Rustin. He's the, he's the producer and uh, or he's not the producer. He co-producer. He, he no, oh, not, just straight up mixer. Yeah, same with same as all three albums. It's the same. Uh, we we self produce the three of us in the band, and then Jay mixes. And and how, so you just send that off to him, and he's not even in the the room with you guys. No. Yeah. He's. Okay. I mean, I've worked with Jay with a lot of stuff. He's mixed all three uh, Winery Dogs albums. He mixed both Sons of Apollo albums. Uh, he mixed the first Adrenaline Mob album that I did years ago. So yeah, I've worked with Jay a lot through the years, and he's just he's just amazing. Yeah, he's got quite a resume for sure, as as you do as well. Um, so yeah, the the first song, Xandu. Uh, I, I was curious, you know, actually, what's interesting is seven of the ten songs they're just one word titles, but the it's like so simplistic. But the music isn't. Is that is there some sort of like strategy behind that? Is that just how Richie does? Richie usually name the song titles. 
Yeah, Richie, as the lyricist, uh, also names the song. So I guess that's his his thing. If even if you look at the prior albums, you know, you have Elevate and Desire mm-hmm. and Damaged and Regret. Uh, I guess that's just his his title style, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's fun. Um, I I think my the Xandu's the first single, but I I also really like the song Rise because that one's kind of got like a a little bit of a heavy metal riff. You've got a really cool uh, drum fill, really fast pace. Is that a fun one to play? I don't know. We haven't played any of these songs yet. <laughs> <laughs> we played them in the studio when we recorded them, and that's it. But we haven't played any of these things live, so. Uh, I assume that'll be a fun one to play live because it's got a lot of energy. It's one of the more energetic. Uh, I wouldn't call it metal, but it's more funky and groovy. You know, uh, it's got a lot of energy to it. Yeah, and yeah. The, and the other one that I was curious about. So, does Richie does he tell you when he when he writes the lyrics, or do you ask him like, "Hey, what is this about?" Or do you just not even just let that kind of be a mystery? I don't even know. You'd have to ask him. You know, the, usually the lyrics come many many months after the process of the three of us being together you know the three of us will be together to to write and jam and arrange but then uh, often it's many many months later before richie presents you know final lyrics and vocals uh and in some cases i have no idea what the hell he's talking about <laughs> that's his really? that's his that's his prerogative that's his world and his vision and his uh you know his direction yeah, because I was going to ask about that song "Gaslighting." And I was like, "Oh, that's an interesting." I just learned what that term was a few years ago. But you also do some really insane drumming on that song as well. Well, that one, that one is the most fastest, like kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know that that's the most bombastic, upbeat, double bass driving one on the album for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. That's cool. And then the, you know, the red wine, that's a, that's a fun one too. Cause is that one? I, I'm, yeah. I guess I'd have to ask Richie on that too. Cause it's just like, it's party time. Keep pouring the red wine. I'm like, I'm assuming that's just like a simple thing, but sometimes it's about some sort of like metaphor or whatever. And I'm terrible. Uh, I mean, it, it was natural with a band called the winery dogs that there would inevitably be a song like that, you know, which is kind of an anthem. For, yeah. it's, just, it's just a party anthem. You know, you could hear, that you know people it just sounds like people in a bar or a club just or even just a a party at home just having a good time and just hanging out and pouring that red wine and that's kind of what richie wrote about yeah no that's cool um so does with the music uh people can uh pre-order this now uh and then eventually of course they can stream it does the streaming does that does that piss you off or do you think that's okay for fans to stream because the more streams you get it helps sell concert tickets and merch and all the other things um, you, you'd get a different answer from different people. Like, uh, I know Richie is very pro, I mean, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I know he's a lot more tolerant and accepting over the streaming world than I am. Uh, personally, I, I think it's, you know, been a, a huge, uh, uh, you know, variable in killing record sales, uh, for artists for the last 20 years. So, you know, it's at the point now where every, everybody just expects to get music for free and that's just become the norm. Uh, obviously it never used to be that way, but artists would get paid for their music and their art. So to me, I have a personal issue with it, but I'm, I'm not going to be like a curmudgeon old, old man, just sitting on the front porch complaining about it. I, you know, I, I accept that it's it's uh, it's where we are in 2023 and it's part of technology, it's part of evolution. And, 
you know, but it's to the point where it's not only hurting musicians, it hurts filmmakers uh, and movie theaters. And now you can see it hurting artists, you know, with AI artwork and stuff like that. So, but I, I accept that it's, uh, it's part of uh, evolution and technology. It is what it is, but personally, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I don't stream music at all. I still will uh, download music maybe from iTunes. I'll buy the record or whatever, or I'll buy the CDs and load it into my iTunes. And I still have everything on my phone in my iTunes library. And, you know, I, I don't use Spotify or anything like that or Apple Music, but that's just me personally. How do you find uh, new music then? Do you, do you listen to the radio or do you try YouTube or... No, I just on social media, you know, if, if you follow all your favorite artists and bands and musicians, you know, inevitably, whatever they're doing will turn up in your feed. And uh, when somebody has a new album or a new song or a new video, I'll I'll click on it and check it out and, you know, or, or buy the, the album uh, either on vinyl or, or on, on iTunes or whatever. But yeah, you know, social media is now the way that everybody kind of promotes their what they're doing, whether it be an album or a tour. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I had Edgar Winter on. It was interesting. I was talking to him about his new album and uh, I was asking him, like, you know, you're trying to sell a lot of records, whatever. He's like, no, I just want to make an, a good album that I'm happy with and that is respected by my peers. Do you feel the same way with the new winery dogs? Is that kind of your goal or do you have something else in mind? That's my goal with every record I've ever made since the very first one I made in 1988. You know, I've never been in this business to make money or to sell a million records uh, you know, to me, I became a musician because I wanted to make music and create stuff that, you know, was fulfilling and, and hopefully enjoyable for somebody else as well. Uh, so that's always been the goal from day one till today for me. Uh, it just so happens that these days you can't really even sell a lot of records. It's just it doesn't happen anymore. So uh, you kind of have to accept that fact and move on. You make the best record you can for yourself artistically. Hopefully your fan base will enjoy it as well. And hopefully you can get on the road and play concerts to uh, enjoy playing it live. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then I did want to mention too, that if people, if the fans uh, pre-order it, they can enter to win a custom Fender from Richie Kotzen's, uh the Telecaster guitar, right? I guess. I don't know about this <laughs> stuff. I'm a drummer. Okay. I don't, I don't well, know what kind of guitar promotions are happening, but yeah, yeah that was something a, like that. So that yeah. was a part of the, the publicity thing that I got. I just wanted to, I'm trying to help you sell this stuff. So, okay. um, and then we have the, the tour is coming up 22 dates. Uh, I was a little ticked that there's not even anything close on the West coast. Will will you be adding us dates? There's first of all, there's more than 22 dates. I think we've already announced the first 50 oh, or sorry. 60 dates. I don't know. Yeah. I, I was reading uh, the 22 date run that you did in 2019. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that was who let the dogs time. out. I love that one, by the that way. That was 2019. That was four yeah. years ago. So no, the current the current tour is we've got about 50 or 60 dates already out there. Um, the first US run is almost two months long, almost 40 dates, just covering the east and east coast and midwest. Uh so yeah, uh that from there we go down to Brazil for a few shows, then we're gonna be back up doing the rest of America in May. We'll head west for, on that run. Uh, then we go to Europe for a you know short little run in June, and then we're going to have another European full leg later in the year and another full South American leg later in the year, and we're going to have Japan later in the year. So it's a pretty thorough tour, only which 
you know, a tip of the iceberg has been announced so far. So, yeah, there's a lot more dates to come, of course. Oh, sweet. Okay, that's good. Yeah, because I've never seen you guys live. I, I assume that's a huge part of the band. I mean, the recording is one thing, but seeing it live, because you're going to do, you're going to add in some solos and things like that and some fun surprises, I assume. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a live band. All three of us uh, love playing live, and it's definitely like a three-ring circus. Like, you know, no matter what you're watching or listening to, you're going to be entertained. Uh, you know, the Power Trio format just opens itself up so much to live environment. There's just so much space to fill. So, yeah, we love playing live. Awesome. Very cool. I look forward to that. Would you have any, like, special guests? Or are you going to do any covers or anything else? The other, no, I mean, we're, we're now on our third album, we have enough material of our own. You know, when we did our first tour, or for the first album, we had to pad it out with some Mr. Big songs or Poison sure. songs or some covers. But no, with with three albums in, we we have enough of our own now at this point. Yeah, no, it's crazy. So I heard you say that um, you don't have a problem remembering the music, but uh, the schedule that's got to be the hard part, right? Because with all the bands that you're in and and trying to juggle all that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've never had a problem remembering the music. I'll, I'll play with three different bands over the course of, you know, five days. It happened. It's happened so many times in my career where you jump from gig to gig to gig and you have to have it all in there. And I have no problem with that. To me, it's just it's a natural thing. Uh, but yeah, the scheduling is hard. You know, when you have I mean, at the moment, I have, I think, seven or eight different bands that I currently play with, you know, some more. uh active than others but yeah it, the scheduling is is that's the hard part yeah now what, what you talk about your work ethic because i mean you're one of the best drummers out there and i feel like that's got to be a big i mean obviously you're talented but the work ethic piece has got to be a part of it too right i mean because isn't that originally you guys were going to work with john sykes and the winery dogs and he didn't have the same work ethic as you and billy well no that's a misconception john sykes had nothing to do with the winery dogs he uh oh sorry dated he predated the Winery Dogs. Predated. Billy and I were working within him on his own music. Okay. And, uh, and we were going to try to play with him with, with his music. And uh, John just kind of never did anything with it. You know, even here we are 12 years later, however many years later it is, and he still hasn't done anything with that music. So Billy and I got impatient awaiting for him and decided to form something else. And that's when we connected with Richie. And that's where the Winery Dogs was born with that. Yeah. Did you have, I know you say you just want to make music to, you know, entertain yourself and stuff, but do you have any sort of competitive bone in your body? Like, are you competitive with other drummers? Like, do you want to be the best? Cause you are considered oh one of the best. No, no, no. I, I hate the, I hate being compared or being, you know, having any kind of expectation or pre preconceived conception of what I do. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I get very intimidated by other drummers and, you know, I, I personally, I don't know. I, I, if anything, I'm very inspired to be better. But when I see all these amazing drummers out there, but uh, I don't have a, I don't feel music as a competition. I think everybody does do what they do, and you know, certain people are good at certain things, and you know, you kind of gotta look at look at everybody and listen to them for for what they they bring to the table. And I have so many drummers that I admire that have uh, no technical abilities whatsoever, but they bring a good groove or a good vibe to something. Or there's other drummers that are these technical monsters that, you know, are incredible and inspiring. But um, it's, you know, music isn't a competition. It's something that's supposed to be enjoyed for whatever it is. 
Can you, I don't want to get you in trouble here. We're talking about guns and roses, but I was just wondering if you could explain to me the first album with Steven Adler, like it's cause people say that he's technically not a good drummer, but like, it's something about the swing or something. Is that kind of what you're referring to when you say some people aren't technical? Cause I love his drumming on that first album, but I don't know. I'm not a drummer, so I don't know how to explain what it is about it. It's just something about the groove. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, some of my favorite drummers of all time are, uh, you know, Ringo Starr or, or Peter Chris. And uh, technically they, you know, they're not the type of drummers that could play seven, eight and nine, eight and 11, eight grooves and 30 minute songs. Like I've done my whole career, you know, I've made a career out of these long progressive songs and epic arrangements and odd time signature pieces and double bass drumming. And obviously ring somebody like Ringo or Peter Chris, that's not their thing, but yet those are two of my biggest drum heroes of all time. You know, what Ringo brought to the Beatles is immeasurable. Uh, it doesn't have to be fast or heavy or technical. It has to do with his application of his art and what he does. And I have an appreciation for that, whether it be Ringo or Peter Chris or Larry Mullen Jr. with U2 or Stephen Adler and Guns N' Roses, as you cited. So, yeah, I mean, different strokes for different folks. And And personally, I have an appreciation for everything all across the board. Yeah. What about Dave Lombardo? That guy it, just so aggressive. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's one of my my favorite uh, double bass thrash metal drumming heroes. You know, I grew up, uh, you know, listening to those early Slayer albums when the thrash movement was coming around and Dave and Charlie Benante and Lars and, you know, all those guys, Vinnie Paul, Mickey D, you know, for that style of music, those guys are, are favorites. Amazing. Yeah. I don't know if you knew this, uh, what I had Richie on, they were talking about how he uh, tried out for Ozzy's. He was actually going to be Ozzy's guitarist, but then it fell through. Did you ever have anything like that where you were uh, about to be in a different band and then it just didn't work out? Uh, yeah, well, one recently, actually, I got called for a really pretty big gig recently. Um, and um, I'm not going to name drop it, but it was a, a, a huge band and uh, we were all set to go. And I had the, the, the kit ordered for the gig and everything. It was for a one-off show at a big festival. And then the oh. festival got canceled. So it wasn't like I got uh, not used, but the festival itself got canceled. So the gig never, never happened. So uh, yeah, that's one example of a, a gig that ended up not happening that almost did, but anything else I've done, uh, like helping out other bands like Event Sevenfold or Twisted mm -hmm. Sister or Stone Sour or Overkill. In all those cases, I just got called upon to, you know, to help out and uh, went out and helped these bands out. But I've never like auditioned for a band or anything like that. I've never gone through that process. So I've never had that experience. Right. Because they would just call you. I mean, it's like that would be weird if you had to audition. I would think. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've never been, I've never been in that situation, so I don't know. Yeah. What about the Foo Fighters? They have, I think they, uh, they, they're trying to go back on the road. I don't think they have a drummer picked out yet, right? Well, I'm sure they do. They've announced three dates yesterday. I'm sure they're not booking dates without knowing who their drummer is. So I'm sure they have somebody. I don't know who it is, but yeah, I mean, that that's that's a, a huge gig. Or would you take the drum drums over and Mr. Big? Because I think they just announced that they may be doing some shows as well. Yeah, no, it's not me. I know who the drummer is. Oh, you do? Uh, it's, it's not for me to say, but it's not me, no. Okay, cool. Um, well, do you have any other future plans? Like, would you ever retire? I mean, I can't picture that. No, I can't either, especially after uh, a two-year pandemic, sitting home for two years in 20, 2020 and 2021. Uh, 
that's enough <laughs> for my lifetime to be sitting at home. That's just not my nature. Um, you know, I'll I'll die being an active drummer. Okay, fair, fair enough. Very so. Do you still you still practice the drums a lot, like for these gigs, or are you pretty much you've got it down pat? Uh, I, I, you know, I spend so much time going from band to band and tour to tour and now I'm the album that, uh, when I come home, the last thing I want to do is play drums. You know, I want to sit home with, with my family and spend time with them. And it would be pretty selfish as me to come home after being on the road, you know, for eight weeks straight and then go into the basement and start practicing. That would be pretty selfish. So, you know, I spend enough time behind the kit as it is that when I'm home, no, I, I, I don't. Okay, cool. Um, last thing I was going to ask you about, uh, I think you, you're in this new movie, Dude, Where's My Music? It's like a documentary. Can you tell us about that? Sounds interesting. It's got like uh, Slash, isn't it? Radiohead and Getty Lee. I have no idea. I have no, I don't know what that is. Oh, they must just be using like archived footage of you or something. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't Maybe know. Maybe you'll get a royalty is. check or something. <laughs> yeah, I doubt sounded, that. It sounded intriguing. All right. Last thing I always end with a charity. Is there a charity you want to promote? here on the show that one that you've worked with in the past? Uh, well, I don't have one personally, but I just did a gig um, a few nights ago um, uh, and all the proceeds went to Neil Peart's charity. So, you know, if anything, that would be the one it was, uh, you know, if you look at my social media, we just did a Bubba Bash thing, a uh, tribute for Neil. And um, so, yeah, if anything, I would, I would recommend that one. And it, it's towards uh, brain cancer and, and uh, you know, recovery for that you know unfortunately that we lost neil to that so yeah okay very cool i'll put that in the notes along with the winery dogs uh website and uh people can get the pre-order the new album now and uh of course get a ticket to the to see you guys on tour i can't wait awesome thanks so much mike cool man thank you talk to you later bye-bye all right thank you man. okay my thanks again to mike and his publicist amanda for helping set this up please support rock music by purchasing the new album some buying some merch or buying a ticket to see the show if you can't afford any of that uh, at least share their stuff on social media and if you want to support my show that's really the only way is with social media and youtube comments likes and shares i appreciate your support for my guests and myself have a great day and shoot for the moon 